Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. I don't even know what the date is. It's the 20th. It's November the 20th. Hmm. We're coming up on the Thanksgiving week. We're going to be here all the way through the week. Why not? Because you're going to be at home, maybe not working. Maybe your schedule will be uh, adjusted and you'll be able to join us live if you don't normally. So thanks for joining us this morning. I don't want to tell you that we have a stacked or a packed or a jammed show, but um, we got a bunch of stuff going on. We have all kinds of stories to bring to you. It's been a wild weekend, and I didn't even put this in the show, but I spent a big chunk of the weekend uh, picking a fight with the people that know themselves as sedition hunters. There's a, uh, a follower on Twitter who nailed it exactly perfectly. Sedition hunters are the people that were renting a house in your neighborhood, and they really wanted to be part of the HOA, so they bought a home in the neighborhood just so they could get on the HOA board. They're the people that used to tell the teacher that they forgot to assign homework over the weekend and made sure the teacher got that done. Like these people are the school marmiest, nastiest hall monitor types. And now they're grownups living in their parents' basements. They have no social life. They have no friends except the online undercover agent they work with, the, the feds that are helping them run down grandmas who are convicted of misdemeanors right now and are rotting away in our penal system. So that's really cool. That's who I started uh, picking fights with. I don't know why I do this stuff, by the way. I had Joe Pags. He's a radio host. You guys may know him from the Joe Pags show. And I texted him one of my tweets and he just goes, why do you even engage with these people? And I'm like, because you can't shoot them. That's really why I just do stuff on Twitter because it's actually illegal to go out there and engage with them kinetically. And I just want them to feel bad. It doesn't even take it doesn't even take any work to dismantle these clown show human beings. The easiest thing in the world is just having a lunatic leftist say stupid things at you. And then in real time, I just respond to it and I have kind of a good time with it. It's like um, it's like Batman going down in that uh, that prison scene in the original one with Christian Bale, the first version of it when they did the reboot, and he's in there and he's like, fighting like 15 criminals at the same time. That's what it's like on Twitter for me. I enjoy it. I hope you guys also get a kick out of it. Um, folks, we're going to be covering a bunch of topics today. We're talking about the dipsy do flipperoo. I stole that directly from my buddy Dan Bongino. It's such an easy thing to remember. It's a hard thing to say, especially if you were drinking. So luckily, we are first thing in the morning um, we are first thing on a Monday morning and we are not drinking. We are in fact just having coffee, getting caffeinated and getting you ready for your week. Let's kick right into this. Let's kick off first by th saying thanks. Speaking of uh, coffee, let's do uh, Patriot coolers. If you would, Ryan, bring them up. I've got a 16 ounce sitting right here. You guys know how it works. We go to patriotcoolers.com. Somebody was tagging me on Twitter today or yesterday too. And they said, Hey, uh, the, the website doesn't work. Look, the way you do it is you go to patriotcoolers.com and then you just use my promo code. When you go to check out whatever you like, Use K-Y-L-E, the end. That's it. There's no there's no links that are specialized. It's just the main website. I think you can type in like discounts if you spell it properly with a slash and some other. Don't do that. Just go to patriotcoolers.com slash, I'm sorry, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle. Pick out yourself something you like. <laughs> yeah, I just did it too. That's that's why probably people get screwed up. Um, I like the tumblers. This is what I'm using right now. I've got two on my desk at the moment. I got the, uh, the, the travel ready one as well. But uh We've got, we've been using this over and over again. Actually, go to the gray version of that, if you would. The gray version or the uh, desert version of that 50 quart, that's the one that sits in the back of my minivan. I fill this up with frozen stuff every time I go to the store. It's my favorite. Uh, I hate groceries that spoil or I, the worst thing I do is I make a lot of smoothies and I hate seeing frozen fruit all glommed together in like a big block. And then you have to get like an ice chisel and just break it off to be able to make a smoothie. No, no, no. Put them in a cooler on the way home. Just carry it around with you. Like, otherwise it just hangs out and waits for a camping trip. This will remind you, hey, I haven't been camping in a while, but also I haven't been to the grocery store. All right, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle, 10% off, get you, uh, and then 50 bucks, you're going to get free shipping. So any of the bigger items are going to be free shipping. Holidays are coming. Check them out. We love them. You know, they support us and you're a patriot. You're not a Yeti. You're not a lifetime. You're not a Coleman. I don't think there's probably one or two Coleman's that watch, but generally speaking, you're not a Coleman. All right, let's do this. Let's get, let's get rowdy. Let's talk about. Uh, how wild it can get out there and why you should own a gun. We're going to queue up video number one right away. Some of you guys didn't see this. George Hill sent me this. I saw it over the weekend as well. I wasn't sure if I was going to put it in the show, but after George sent it, we are. This first video is pretty, pretty wild. We stole this off, I think, Instagram, but there's other videos, versions of this. A man was involved in just driving in his job, drives a truck, 
and came upon this wild scene of a shootout and ended up saving a police officer's life or at least participating in the saving of it. We'll talk about why it's important. Let's roll video number one and just get started right there. All right, so this is in Houston, Texas. This is Houston PD in a gunfight on an interstate in Houston. Um, if, you, if you think you've seen the chaos and anarchy from you know, the 2016 and the 2020 BLM and Antifa riots, um, you know, we, we've seen insurgents just in the past few days, the pro um, Hamas rallies take over Capitol buildings. Uh, if you remember in, in, in Oregon, they're controlling courthouses. Um, we, we have not gotten rock bottom. What I love about this story is this man right here dragging this police officer's safety is a convicted felon. Um, he's providing, you know, medical aid as best he know how. Um, I'd love to send this guy to one of our medical courses. You know, this police officer, what an absolute hero. Um, words of encouragement from a felon, right? He's been on the wrong side of the law, but here he is trying to, to, to protect a wounded police officer in the middle of a gunfight like he's running towards the sound of gunfire to try and take care of these people um americans need to wake up it is going to get really bad it's going to get really scary and until we are a strong healthy equipped society that is able to protect ourselves because no help is coming nobody's going to come and rescue you nobody's going to come and save you it's all going to be on you all right let's kill it right there that's perfect so Ladies and gentlemen, what you saw was a man driving on a freeway in Houston, Texas, America, and he stopped. He's a felon, which means he can't own a gun, right? He can't carry a firearm. And what does he do? He renders aid. You can always participate. I would say that the battle cry of the people that want to keep this place alive, this country alive in the way that it goes, should be the word something. Short little story on this. Um, my buddy and I were getting ready for a wedding one time. It was a friend's wedding. Uh, she was a river rafting guide or something like that. I was in Albuquerque. We had a long night sitting up and trying to edit things on Wikipedia, which is a weird thing to do for two guys sitting around. But that's what we did. And then first thing in the morning, the sunlight comes in. It's the desert. So it hits you kind of un uncomfortably. No cup of coffee. Dog licking me on the face. I'm sleeping on the couch. And, and he comes out there and he scratches himself and he's like, Ugh. and he knows we have a lot to do. But also he can't get the words right. And he yells at me <laughs> the first word of the morning. He just yells something. And that is a battle cry that you guys can actually take into action. You can remember that. You'll actually remember the word something with an exclamation point stretched all the way out. Something is what you should do when you see something going wrong. Okay. I always told people that the first action, whenever you get on scene, I used to train paramedics and I would do like the new paramedics would come out of the, the academies and they have all their fresh skills and they know all the book knowledge, but they've never touched real people. Like at least not in an un, unsanctioned, uh, you know, you're the only guy on the scene scenario. And when you do it, I would say the first thing you should do on every single scene, they teach you by the book, you should, you should do scene safety. You should make sure that the scene is safe. Sometimes the scene's not safe, folks. Sometimes you're going to be rolling up on something like that. And the first thing you should do is panic. I'm going to say it again. Step one, panic, and then go through and assess scene safety and what your tools are and what resources you have and all the things that you would normally do. I always tell people that. And that's the other thing you should always do. You should always touch a patient. The first thing you should do is touch them. There's a uh, an acronym we use in the military when it comes to uh, casualty care, when it comes to buddy aid. It's called MARCH, M-A-R-C-E. And there's a whole order of operations. We actually did an entire show for active shooter stuff. If you guys go back to when I was sitting in the trailer and yeah, you can go learn the March acronym. You can go find it any number of places. Maybe we'll cover it down at some point again. But March is an order of operations of the way that things will kill you in an emergency and how you address them. But number one, I always say M should be move. Now, the first thing we say is massive hemorrhage. But the only way you're going to find out what's going on with somebody is if you move them. And that means you got to touch your patient. You got to get out there. You got to get kinetic and get involved. If that guy was standing as a bystander, instead of running up while the cops are in a gunfight, then he's not going to be able to help drag that police officer back to safety behind a big truck. And he's a hero because of it. Okay. And he did the right thing. Now that screaming that you heard that officer engaged into, that was the tourniquet being applied. Tourniquets suck and people don't want to be in them. So learn how to stop the bleed, learn how to do that. Take a, either a first aid class, take a woofer class, a wilderness first aid class, take something that makes you capable of being your own self rescue. Super important really critical that you're able to do something in a bad scenario. And if you can, if you're not a felon, I don't know how many felons we got. If you're a felon in the chat, give us a, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate you being here too. <laughs> like if you're, but if you're not, if you're not a felon, then uh, what we want you to do is we want you to consider carrying a firearm, get training and do that. By the way, Ryan, we figured out the ghost thumbs. Apparently I have the uh, same thing. Look at that. 
How goofy. Give us a thumbs up in the chat if you like the weird I Apple thing. I thought I just saw it's that. Because, I was like, there's no way he doesn't yeah, have that camera. Dude, I, you know what it is? I, upgrade, I upgraded my Apple um, OS. So my Apple OS is going that. Folks, if you have the new Apple OS, you're going to get that. I bet we do the lasers just like this, too. It's so weird. There it is. So strange. Oh, I can man. do all the same things that Steve Friend can do now, folks. Now the show is fully complete. It's happening. Um, prepare yourself. Kyle doesn't want to tell you that he bought that. He paid for those features. <laughs> I, I wish I did. That would be at least I could own it then. I didn't know that was coming down. All right, we're gonna dig into some of these crazy stories because even though you do the right thing, the dipsy do flipperoo is you expect a certain thing. Let's say somebody tries to kill you at your house. They try to break into your home, put a gun to your back, and tell you to give you access to the. Uh, they want access to your your home, your your wife your baby, all of your goods, your worldly possessions, and you defend yourself properly. You think you'd get a medal. You think you would get what we used to call keys to the city. I don't know if they do that anymore, but the idea that you get this big wooden key that says, you're a hero, like, thanks for being part of our community. You're the best. Rather than them give you keys to the city, when you do the right thing with a firearm, you exercise your Second Amendment rights and you step up and you say, I'm not waiting for the police. They actually do the opposite. They take your gun permit. Let's pull up this first store here, which comes out of Los Angeles. It's really sad. Actually, we've got a video of it. First, let me just kind of give you the scenario. And you guys, if you remember, we actually covered this guy's story. We covered the shooting response where you're going to see this video and you've already seen it before on our show. But let's pull up the Los Angeles or the Fox News here. What do they say? This guy defends his home. He does the right thing. He's carrying a weapon. He's done training. He throws a coffee cup because he has situational awareness and he knows something's coming down in the wrong way. And he deploys his firearm. Looks like he misses too, based on what I saw. But so what? Um, heat of the moment. He scares off the bad guys. And the answer that the Los, the, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department is, is they pull his permit. This is what's called the upside down, I think. That's when all the good things result in bad actions. When the people who are the good actors experience all the bad things. We're in a big period of upside down right now. Let's run this video. This came out of NRA. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of NRA when it comes to thinking that they're the best way to defend your gun rights. I like Firearms Policy Coalition. They seem like they figured it out better. And then also Gun Owners of America, where my friend, uh, the machine gun lawyer works, you guys, or he works for them on occasion. So check out those two organizations if you want to help secure your rights. But the idea that this guy created this video is not wrong. He's from New York. He probably he lives in California, which means he's probably limited in some of the firearm knowledge and the people. He's not surrounded by gun people in LA. Let's just be honest about it. But let's run this video of what this guy says in his own words and what this sort of upside down feels like when you're on the wrong end of it. And then I'll tell you what I think he needs to be doing as well. Go ahead and run that video, Ryan. LA criminals came to my home, pointing guns at my chest. After successfully defending my home and my family, my five-month-old child, California has now decided to suspend my Second Amendment. It was a quiet evening, and as I was coming home from the gym, the two lone men, masked, hopped over the wall, ran down on me with guns. And the most terrifying part was, my wife and my five-month-old baby were on the other side of that door. In an effort to protect my family, I drew my gun and returned gunfire. As a result of that night, the California government has temporarily suspended my ability to concealed carry. This is an attempt to make me vulnerable at a time that is critical that I maintain my ability to protect my family. They'd rather leave me out there to dry and let my family become a statistic. My situation is unique because it happened at my front door, all on camera. But this happens time and time again all over the country. It doesn't get caught on camera. And people sweep it under the rug because it doesn't behoove their political agenda. The fact is, evil will always exist, but we need our ability to defend ourselves and keep our families safe from violent people. Just a few months ago, robbers broke into my home looking for easy money. Luckily, none of us were home. And then they came back. I used to walk in this house, it's in my beautiful house that I built for my family, and now I walk into a war zone. Criminal is someone who doesn't follow the laws. They don't care about gun laws. They don't care about safety classes. They don't care about being qualified to be able to shoot. California government thinks my story is a myth. They don't think people like me actually exist. Right here in LA, an innocent LA father was killed because District Attorney Gas Cohen released a violent criminal back into the streets. And this is just one of the dozens of cases right here in this city. When incident happened, there's only two things I could rely on, myself and the Second Amendment. And now that's in jeopardy. The leftist gun grabbers do not care about your safety. The NRA does. My name is Vince Ritchie. I'm an Italian-American from the Bronx, New York. I'm a proud member of the National Rifle Association. Yeah, he's a proud Italian-American from, from the Bronx. Is that what he said? Man, uh, doesn't sound like a guy from California at all. And yet, this is the problem. It's not about the Second Amendment, folks. And also, I would say this. When tyranny becomes law, what is it? I think it's Ben Franklin says it. But when tyranny becomes law, resistance becomes duty. The, there's no reason this guy should comply with this order. You don't need the Second Amendment. Uh, I mean, you don't actually need a gun permit to be able to carry a firearm. 
Like, read the Constitution. There's this great meme that I've been sending around. My buddies would be like, oh, like, too bad I live in this state. Okay, carry a gun. There's a state. It's all the states are red. And it says, uh, the states that you can carry a gun concealed in if you're not a bitch. There's no other way around it. The government doesn't get to tell you whether or not you get to defend yourself. What happens if that guy doesn't have a gun right there? He's got two armed men with a gun to the back of his head, going to march him into his home. You saw that beautiful little baby. That is a really cute baby, by the way. A beautiful little child. And his wife is in there. She's a beautiful woman. You have no idea what their intention is. Are they going to now take up residence in your home? Are they going to do a home invasion robbery murder? Are they just going to take some stuff and run? Are they just doing what AOC says? Oh, they're just interested in getting bread. They're just hungry. Really? They're scumbags that are putting a gun to your head and they're willing to put you to a decision for your entire life. And they've never met you. And all they want to do is steal your stuff. There's a great meme too that I always love. It's like this idea. It's like, oh, are you saying that you, you value these, your stuff more than these people's lives? And I'm saying, no, these people value my stuff more than they value their lives. In Texas, you see far less of this stuff. California, I can see it happening far more frequently. Thank God that guy was armed. Train yourselves, get yourselves ready and be prepared because law enforcement can't get there in time. They're not doing good pre-crime. We already know that. And to go even further into that, we want to talk about our friends over at the FBI. There's a really interesting article that came out of the New York Times. This New York Times article pointed out something that even I didn't know. The Bureau is really bad about telling agents about what it is that's going on inside the FBI. Whenever there's a shooting, they'll say, there was an agent involved shooting. It's being investigated by the inspection division. And that's it. And that's all we ever find out. We never find out like it was a good shoot. It was a bad shoot. Like what happened? I absolutely guarantee you, I heard about these shootings that happened when they happened. And that was it. I never knew that they were bad shoots. So I'm going to read a little bit here from the New York Times. You know, obviously a lefty article. Um, kind of interesting that they let this go out. They tried to spin it in favor of the FBI, which I think is always an interesting move. It says FBI faulted agents for shooting at a fleeing subject. They say suspect, but we say subject in the Bureau and killing a family dog. Agents rarely get in trouble for intentionally firing their guns at people or animals. These two bad shoot incidents were not previously known. Well, that's true. So let me talk about a bad shoot and a good shoot. There's a thing called the deadly force policy. It's the DOJ's way of deciding whether or not what you did was appropriate with a firearm. The end. Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who have been following what went on in the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Shooting an unarmed woman who does not present an imminent danger of death or serious physical injury the way Ashley Babbitt did would be considered a bad shoot in the FBI. And I've, I've sat at a table days after January 6th with a former HRT member who was my boss who had 10 years there and he had time in the Ranger Battalion before that. He was a West Point graduate, by all accounts, a solid dude. And he definitely was someone who was up on the deadly force policy. And he was the boss. All of us sat around it. Agents there ranging from, I don't know, five years, probably where I was at, to the people that had 25 years that were getting ready to retire. And only one person thought it might be a good shoot. And, um, and that person still works for the FBI for whatever that's worth. It's not a good shoot if the person cannot fill the following thing. The DOJ's deadly force policy, which these agents were accountable for, goes like this. Law enforcement officers or agents of the Department of Justice may use deadly force only when necessary. That is when the subject of such force poses an imminent danger, imminent danger is the key, of death or serious physical injury to the officer or another person. That's it. Then there's all these caveats on there. You can't fire warning shots. That's not allowed unless you work in the, in the Bureau of Prisons. They actually have their own context for it. Um, you can't fire solely to disable a moving vehicle. We're going to talk about that in a second. And there's a couple of other things. You can't shoot people in the back unless you can articulate that they are moving for the tactical advantage of cover. It's drilled into you at the FBI's academy. These agents did whatever they wanted. And what's interesting is, is the consequences. For me, that's the most interesting part of it. Not the fact that somebody used their gun wrong. It happens all the time. You got 14,000 plus people running around with firearms. The training and the number of diversity hires continues to increase. We're going to talk about a diversity hire in a minute. So the idea that you would have people that fail at it is not shocking. The response that the Bureau would have for it is actually shocking in light of what happened to me and my friend Steve Friend and my buddy Garrett O'Boyle and Marcus and some of the others that you guys don't even know the names of. The first incident involved an agent in Arkansas who shot at but missed a subject who is driving away to flee arrests. The rule that you are taught when you were at the FBI Academy is as follows. If they get away, we'll get them another day, period. If somebody flees, we'll find them. And if we don't, the United States Marshal Service will. Really? It's going to throw up the thumb bubbles? That's weird. <laughs> if somebody flees, we'll get them. We always can. We have the entire resources. We have unlimited time and federal cases are not, generally speaking, imminent danger cases. We do so few call out responses because the FBI is not a first responder organization. It's a second or a third responder organization, if we're being honest. 
Okay. Here's the story. The agent resigned before he could receive a 55 day suspension without pay. Do you guys have any idea how many days I went without pay for doing nothing wrong? Literally. I went for a year, 365 day suspension without pay. This guy was going to get 55 days without, and then he quit. Really? Like that's the punishment unnamed, by the way, of course, not named. The other agent involved, uh, the other shooting involved an agent in California who fatally shot a dog that he said bit him during a family dispute while he was off duty. He smoked the dog five day suspension, or you could be like our friend who was, uh, the former special agent in charge of Philadelphia, right? And what did she do? She shot a dog that was getting into a fight with her dog on a street and she got no suspension. The FBI is actually getting less less aggressive about going after people who are improperly involved in a shooting scenario. This is the misapplication of deadly force. I had this long conversation with my CDC, the chief division counsel, when I was in uh, Washington field office. I lived in Virginia. My daughter and I, uh, my oldest daughter, who was tiny at the time, she was like an infant and she was in a car seat. I think she was still rear facing. Um, we were driving to go pick up Chick-fil-A like you do sometimes to pick up. Maybe we had two kids at the time. I can't actually remember what, what where it fell into. But I remember what vehicle I was driving. I was driving in a VW Tiguan. And a deer jumped over the top of the island. And it smoked the windshield. It wrapped itself around my car and splatted on there, put some dents in the thing. Almost broke my arm because it just missed me by a couple inches. And then it limped off and fell down on a jogging trail. And I went out there and I had my Glock 22, which is a 40 caliber handgun. And I had my own personal AR-15 in the back of the trunk because that's what I always roll around with and it was secured and it was in a lock and everything else. And I was thinking the appropriate tool to dispatch a deer that is like dying on the side of the road and making noise, which it was, would have been to take that rifle and put it down one time, head contact shot, drop it down to the pavement, call it a day. And yet I wasn't sure if the Bureau would have scoped me, even though it was the right thing to do. And so I asked them, hey, if I use my own personal rifle, would that be appropriate if I use my handgun? And they were like, no, you probably should just like let it like die there. You shouldn't do anything. You might have been okay if you used your handgun, but we don't know. We'd have to see what the circumstances were, and we would have had to rule on it at the time. I could have gotten in trouble for dispatching a deer that was dying on the side of the road doing the public service of putting down an animal that you shouldn't let suffer. And yet, this clown shot a dog in his backyard, and he got five days, a five-day suspension. That's like one week's pay. It's nothing. It's not at all. Imagine shooting a dog <laughs> that was your family member's dog in the backyard, and the bureau was like, yeah, you're all right. You're back in. That's where it's at. The FBI press office, uh, press office did not comment, but the uh, the former general counsel, whose name is Dana uh, Bente, I think, or Boente, said that the uh, the bureau's decision to deem the two shootings in violation of the deadly force policy, which we call a bad shoot, um, was significant. Anytime you have a quote bad shoot, it's important to remember there's a lot of reasons. You don't want people who are reckless being agents, and you don't you want to make sure that you have a great review system that's fair and rigorous. Blah 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 blah. Here's the real story. It's all about politics for the FBI, and we're going to get into that a little bit further as well. The politics of it are actually incredible. The guy who took my weapon, the person who said, you need to have your weapon systems removed when I was working for the FBI's field office in Albuquerque. His name is Mike Copeland. We name names here. You guys know that. Mike Copeland was famous in the Baltimore field office as one of the SWAT team members who engaged in one of these bad shoots. This is not public knowledge. This is knowledge that I have from people that were on the Baltimore SWAT team. As you guys may recall, one, I know a bunch of people in the FBI. And two, more importantly, I was stationed just a little ways away. Now, this happened just before the Freddie Gray, or right after the Freddie Gray riots, rather. It happened in Baltimore. And what he did is apparently he was the number two guy going into a room. For all you tactical people, you can explain it in the chat what that means. But he's the second guy through the door. And that tells you what he saw and what he didn't see and who else was in the room with him. He saw a black female who was unarmed, but she had metallic nail polish on her fingers. Her fingers were nail polishy, and he articulated that he believed that was a firearm, and he opened fire with an M4 in close room range at least five times, and he missed, and she cowered like you might imagine if somebody walked into your room on a SWAT search warrant, and suddenly out of nowhere, this is going on. He fired into the drywall five times and missed her. She cowered in a position like this. She bunched up like you might if somebody was shooting at you and you had no weapon and no way to get out of there. When the shooting stopped, which it did, he, she sprinted out of the room and he began firing after her as she ran away, including into the wall next to him through the drywall, completely blindly firing into a stairwell. I have this from multiple people. He fired into the stairwell and missed. 
almost killed her, almost killed her father, who was another black individual, a black man who was randomly in this apartment, neither of whom were accused of a crime, by the way. That's not why they were there for the search warrant. They just were like incidentals in the actual building. And when he fired into that hallway and he fired into that stairwell, which he couldn't see, and he missed... As least at least 10 times were fired on that that like one you know half magazine or a third of a magazine. He might have fired as many as 15 times. There's some conflicting reports and I didn't see the shooting incident review. Apparently, the incident review board did the full discovery. They did all of the, uh, the tracing where the bullets went and everything else. And at the end of the day, what they came up with was this. It was a 50-50 split, whether it was a good or a bad shoot. 50-50. They couldn't decide whether or not he had basically broken the deadly force policy or not. But they came down on ruling that it was an okay shoot, that he was fine, but required remedial SWAT training simply because if they did say it was a bad shoot, it was a white officer or a white agent shooting at an unarmed black female in Baltimore at that time when there were racial tensions. So they decided to rule it was a good shoot. That's what they did. You guys should be terrified about that. The FBI made a political shooting decision, and they're the only ones that review this kind of stuff. What happened to that man? He was sent back to remedial SWAT. Men, I think a third of the people that were on that team quit the team because they didn't want to be on the team with the guy. And then he was put in for a transfer and he went to Albuquerque, where he became the senior SWAT team leader, the chief tactics instructor. And so he's the guy that taught tactics and firearms. He was the lead firearms instructor. He is a full-time tactics and firearms instructor. He doesn't even work cases anymore. Instead of saying, hey, maybe um, I should uh, hang it up because I'm, I'm terrible at this and I shot at an unarmed woman, I need to rethink my life decisions. This guy is known to have said, I can't wait to get back on gun. I need to hurry up and get down to Quantico and do that remedial SWAT. No sense of what's going on whatsoever. And this kind of thing is what is bringing us to the point where the FBI is populated by people who are compromised. We're going to keep pushing through them. Let's break before we do, because I'm going to go to a different story. It's going to tell a very similar type of thing. We're going to review what we talked about on Friday about Judicial Watch, and I think it's going to be poignant to you. But before we do that, let's do uh, my friends over at 4Patriots. You can go to 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. This one does have a slash 4Patriots.com slash Kyle, or you can use my promo code Kyle if you just go to the website. You can click through from anybody's link. If you're actually out there, these guys are doing an awful lot of ad buys right now. So if you want us to get credit for the uh, for the sales coming in, just use the promo code Kyle. Check out some of the options there. Stackable totes. These things are meant to basically be able to store food and water for up to 20 years. You can buy all of your, your, uh, your ready-made food products. You can toss them in there. You've got power devices that you can use if you want to have a backup thing. If you want uh, emergency water rations, you can do that. They've obviously got the solar generators and some other things. They've got a whole bunch of things. These are all designed to help you get through a crisis or emergency in your area. Is it going to help you survive forever? No, of course not. It's meant to be something that bridges the gap, that helps you not be panicked so that you can think about the other problems. Like, what in the world am I going to do about the social unrest that's going on outside? What am I going to do about the fact that the water supply was just bombed by Hamas? Or whatever the hell is going on in this country. There's an awful lot of threats coming your way. You can hedge yourself against those with food, water, and survival tools going to 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Just use our promo code Kyle. If you try to leave, they're going to try to sell you the, one of those uh, those high-speed generators. We'll have to get a review on that. They've got all kinds of different neat people that are endorsing their products, including some former Navy SEALs, who, for whatever it's worth, do actually go through some pretty awfully rigorous training and they know what works and what doesn't generally speaking doesn't mean that they're not shilling but the guys that i've seen uh they tend to be out there not wanting to put their name on garbage right why would you why would you want to dishonor the trident so uh check them out we appreciate their support and uh, we appreciate you guys supporting our sponsors let's get deeper into this nonsense and if you haven't hit the like button yet on rumble what are you doing like give us a like there it is look it's probably gonna pop up bing if i leave it up there it'll show up on my screen uh, give us the like button. Eric Jason saying the same thing in the chat. So we really appreciate you guys. Let's do this story about Judicial Watch. Let's let's throw it back up. Like I said, we covered it on Friday. I want to cover it again, and I'm going to tell you why. Judicial Watch, FBI records show, was involved in... Uh, so the FBI records show that the officials were not trying to figure out who it was involved in the radical traditionalist Catholic document. They didn't say who is getting fired, who wrote this, they're out of here. That's not what the FBI did. The FBI decided to cover. They had a flurry of messages coming from the chief of staff all the way down to the people that were in charge of the Richmond field office and a bunch of people in the office of public affairs. And all of these people were not interested in correcting the problem. Hey, do we have an anti-Catholic bias? Do we have the, the single largest subset of Christians in our agency and also probably in the United States? Do we actually, do we target them? In violation of the First Amendment? Is that something we're doing? Can we reflect on this and try to fix it? No. What they did was they tried to go out there and cover it all up. 
And then because the FBI cannot help but stepping on their own junk, they just do it by default. It's how it happens. Over the weekend, Steve Friend called me, uh, called my attention to this. Uh, Ryan, if you'll pull up the uh, the picture of the timeline from Tanya. This is so amazing, folks. This timeline is amazing because it comes from the FBI Jobs Twitter feed. Now, if you guys don't follow FBI Jobs, it is a wealth of amusing stuff. They have things like pride parades where they're out there, pride events where they're trying to recruit LGBTQ plus lunatics who have problems figuring out what to do with their gender. I say, I say lunatics. Being gay or lesbian doesn't make you a lunatic, but uh, some of these other weird things out there certainly makes you unhinged to me. This lady's story is great. She is now, in 2022, she was the assistant director of the Directorate of Intelligence. But before that, let's go through this guy's this woman's life arc because it's so fun. In 2002, she joined the Counterterrorism Division as an analyst. I want you to hear that again. She joined the CTD, Counterterrorism Division, as an analyst, as an IA. You'll notice that IA is not an FBI agent. That's not somebody who necessarily gets briefed on constitutional law. It's not somebody that gets briefed on how to carry a badge and a gun because they don't. They're not agents. They're not FBI agents. They're intelligence analysts. In 03, she became the first analyst to serve on the director's daily briefing. People say, when did the FBI go bad? We always say 9-11, uh, 2001. In 2003, they were already breaking the standards and they stopped having only agents brief the director, and they brought in this IA. And not just any IA, but an IA who had exactly two years of experience inside the FBI. Imagine that you worked at McDonald's and two years later, you're briefing the CEO of McDonald's. How exceptional must you be? Oh, by the way, you're also not in a job that is considered the right place to brief the uh, the CEO. That's bizarre. 06, she begins a joint duty assignment at the CIA. We talk about the intel community. I always give Ryan a hard time. It's not always the CIA, except when it's the CIA. Isn't that right, Ryan? It's not always the CIA. But of course. But sometimes it is the CIA. <laughs> always the CIA. <laughs> in this case, it is the CIA. She did joint duty assigned over to Langley, and she worked in their counterterrorism division. You know the fun thing about the difference between a law enforcement entity and a uh, and a an intel agency is? Law enforcement entities have to follow the Constitution. They actually do. That's the real that's the real oath that you swear. You are going to protect due process, the uh, Fourth Amendment right to search and seizure, that you don't have any unreasonable searches by the government, that your free speech is not going to be monitored, that you're allowed to carry a firearm. All of these things are supposed to happen. And instead, what do we have? We have someone over at the CIA learning CIA things, which they operate overseas, generally speaking. Their whole goal is focused overseas, where they don't have to worry about the U.S. Constitution and its application. In 08, she was a unit chief at the Director of Intelligence. Now, unit chiefs in general also tend to be FBI agents, except we've already broken tradition. So five years later, who cares if she's now working as a unit chief at the Director of Intelligence? Obviously, she eventually became the assistant director up there. Promoted the section chief. So that's another agent job. Almost all of them are agents. That's a job that Peter Strzok used to hold. For what it's worth, he was the section chief or one of the section chiefs that was working in the counterintelligence division. It's an agent position. And she's taking agent jobs. She served three joint duty assignments, unknown agencies, not listed. There's one more thing on there. And then 2022, she's named the assistant director, uh, the director of intelligence, right? And on top of all that, let's add one little thing right down here on the timeline. In 2023, Ryan, you want to show me what that Twitter feed shows? Boom, a screenshot. This comes from the Judicial Watch FOIA. And there she is. It's not Tanya Yu. Her name is uh, Tanya Orgetz. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, nor do I care, to be honest with you. She wrote an email and the title, the subject of that email is not who's getting fired over this or my people are out of control. We got to rein them in. The subject matter is this RE coordination of draft statement regarding leaked RH. That's Richmond Intel document. And you're looking at that and you're like, why are all those things redacted, Kyle? What's going on there? Well, they've redacted the email address and the names of certain people who worked in the Office of Public Affairs. Why would people whose job it is to interact with the public... <laughs> Why would they be why would they be censored? Does that make any sense to you guys whatsoever? Because the government exists to cover up the government's F-ups. That's what they're doing there. This is a screw up. And all they did was damage control instead of acknowledging like, hey, uh, maybe this wasn't right. Maybe we were the bad guys in this case. They can't see it. They just can't see it. And so what do we do? Do we have our, our law enforcement officials? Um, I'm sorry, our, our um, elected officials doing their job? Are they holding these people to account? You'd think they targeted Catholics. How many of you Catholics out there are voters? A lot of you. How many people are expecting that Republican people in Congress and in the Senate are going to do their damn job and not 
give the FBI a bonus for doing the wrong thing, not give Mike Copeland a transfer to be a full-time tactical operator when he's a guy who shot at an unarmed woman. Not very many people on FBI SWAT ever discharge their weapon, by the way. And when they do, they're more likely to shoot at unarmed women or themselves. The, uh, the old joke that I used to have when I was in the Washington field office was, is that agents in the Washington field office on FBI SWAT there had shot more FBI SWAT agents than bad guys in the 10 years that I was aware of. And it was like three. They had multiple uh, ADs, accidental discharges, what I would call negligent discharges on firing ranges. One of them happened just before I left in the parking garage during a weapons check and they acted like the weapon malfunctioned. No, the dude did a slam home with his uh, AR-15 and he had his finger on the trigger. This was a guy who had other tactical problems and had also done other stupid things. We promote incompetence in federal law enforcement. But what do you expect? It's the government. Guys, they're getting rewarded. Let's pull up this piece from the Federalists over here. The Federalist is telling us exactly the same thing. Rather than them having accountability for their bad behavior, they are in fact reporting them with the new headquarters. This was what Steve and I were going to talk about on Friday. We touched on it just a little bit. I want to get deeper into this particular article. This was written on November 10th. So this is not news to you guys, but when you put it all in the juxtaposition, you realize we are totally upside down. This is the dipsy doo flipperoo. This is when you do the wrong thing and good things happen to you. That seems awful. That seems absolutely contrary to the American way and the dream that we believe in, right? You'd think $375 million to go and uh, build this new headquarters. It's going to obviously be way more than that. They'll just get a, like a more appropriations and more and more money. Um, it says on the day that the DOJ announced arrests related to a brothel that focused on political clients. And I don't know enough about the story there. And I'm waiting to hear more out of that office because I know people there. So give me a little bit of time. We will cover down on that. 70 Republicans. And this is the thing. 70 Republicans. 70 of them voted to give the FBI brand new headquarters. And they defended their vote. And they were like, well, it's not all the people. You know who works in the headquarter buildings? The worst people. Tanya works in the headquarter buildings. That's who works there. People who suck, who don't care about the Constitution, who are happy to infringe on your civil liberties. Florida Republican Matt Gates moved to defund plans for the new office with an amendment to the Financial Services and General Government Appropriations Act of 2024. House Democrats were unanimously opposing the Gates proposal, and we're joined by 77 Republicans. And the proposal failed in a 273 to 145 vote on Wednesday. That was, that was uh, over a week ago. 70 voted against it. Are they not listening to anything that we say? Everybody always goes like, well, you know, at least you, uh, you know, are they, are they covering for the whistleblowers? Are they taking care of you guys? How about reinstate all my friends reinstate them with full back pay. You can pay me my back pay. I'd rather do this and come and talk to you guys and talk shit to the FBI. It's way more interesting to me. There's no other way to say it, by the way. I'd rather just blow the lid off what they do than go back in there. And how could you do that? We talked to a, a guy, uh, Saul Greco, who I'm going to have on the show here. He was on my, my Badlands show the other day. And we were talking about it. How could you ever go back and take a job? He worked for the NYPD and he got kicked out um, for basically just refusing to get the vaccine and being a decent guy. And we'll tell his sto whole story here. We're going to give him plenty of time to do it. How could you ever go back to an agency that stabbed you right in the back? People do it all the time. People fight every single instinct they have for self-preservation. And they go back and work for the FBI, even though, even though they know it will happily destroy you anytime it gets a chance. And you're always going to be on the chopping block for however much time you have left. There's no way around it. I mean, there's just no way around it. Think about my buddy Garrett O'Boyle. He's got what, like three years in? He's now four years, I think, because he's, I think we came up on the five-year, but he's just suspended now for over a year. So he's at his five-year mark. He's going to go 15 more years looking over his shoulder. Like they should just pay the man out his whole, his whole time and let him do whatever the hell he wants because they screwed up. And you know what? We made a, a, a proposal and I said it on TV the other day. How about the scumbags that were out there targeting military veterans and the Dina Perkin types? How about their pension gets paid to the O'Boyle family? I don't even want anything for myself. I really don't. I'm happy to sue the Bureau at some point. If somebody wants to take on the case, we'll do it on contingency. We can split the money. Like, let's hurt their feelings. But moreover, how about you make my friend whole? Because this is ugly and disgusting, and we are rewarding the worst type of behavior. We really are. So how do we, how do we deal with that, right? 
Like, what is what is the weird mindset that is happening? I saw this thing from Jordan Peterson. He was on Bill Maher. We're going to play a quick little video of this. I want you guys to get, he explains how they've reframed the morality of it. And then we're going to finish up with an article by Public, which I think sums up everything together. And if you're not following people like Mike Schellenberger, you should be. And if you're not subscribed to their Substack, you should be. You may even want to do a paid subscription there. I do. And uh, I get all their stuff in my emails. And they, they do great reporting. This is one of the better articles coming from people who used to associate with the political left. Let's start with Jordan Peterson framing it. And then we're going to move on to the public article. Um, let's go ahead and hit that right now. But what happens is that you, they are then saying that well, being oppressed is being I don't know if the Holocaust... Yeah. Well, this, but this is the, this is the main it's, issue. I mean, part of the reason that you see all this foolishness on university campuses, too, is because people have bought this idiot meta-Marxism, which is that the way to look at every social relationship that people ever have is through the lens of power. And that, that is, we can put that squarely at the feet of the universities, as far as I'm concerned, is, you know, marriage is a patriarchal institution and business is nothing but oppression. And you have to view every single situation that emerged historically as oppressor versus oppressed. And then once you get that, which you can get in about two minutes, if you sit in a course that teaches that sort of thing, you have a lens to moralize about the whole world through. And then you see the situation is that the leftists have already decided the Palestinians are the victims. And as you pointed out, if you're a victim, then you're morally righteous. And even more conveniently, if you stand for the victim, then you're morally righteous, regardless of what you do with your own life. And that's pretty much what university students are taught from the time they enter the university classroom. And that's how they, you know, orient themselves morally. Well, and I that's think. at the hands of the radical left, too, Bill. And one of the things the Democrats also have to pay the price for, I would say, is their absolute refusal to draw a line between the moderate Democrats and the extremists. They're completely incapable of doing that. Like I've talked to 40 senators and congressmen in the last five years. I asked them all the same question, including RFK. He wouldn't answer either. When does the left go too far? Well, we certainly bloody well saw it in the last month, didn't we? Because they got the oppressor, oppressive narrative, a uh, little mucked up, we might say. And we're going to, the consequences of that are going to unfold pretty brutally over the next few months. That's it. There's no time that they have gone too far. They never want to alienate any of their base. We're more than happy on the political right when people step off the off the rails and they get uh, racist or stupid or they start getting, um, you know, affiliated with ideas that are bad. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. We're not with you. Uh, that's not what we're about. The left never does that. They never alienate people. Never. Why not? Because they've reframed what morality looks like. They've reframed how to think about the problem. And standing with, quote unquote, victors in a power struggle is how it's done. Let's go ahead and pull this article up from public. I want to read from it. And it's some of my favorite, it's some of my favorite styles of writing when they basically break it down in such a clean way, even in the headline. It's clear. You guys are seeing it on the Rumble channel right now. If you're not, join us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Give us that thumbs up that the Apple uh, ghost keeps throwing up there. I got to get rid of that thing. I got to turn that off. I'm not down with these things randomly trying to guess what I'm doing. I move my hands too much. All right. Why Democrats became the totalitarians that they warned us about. That's what this article is entitled. Alex and Michael over at Public. How did the left go from defending the free speech rights of neo-Nazis to demanding censorship and falsely accusing their opponents of being fascists and seeking their incarceration. This is the question of the last three years. Some of you may remember, some of you may remember that we had an ACLU, the American for Civil Liberties Union, which my father-in-law is a member of, and in theory supports the principles of your civil liberties, which is to say that you can speak, you can talk. Let's go back to the guy who lost his gun permit. The claim is the reason he lost his gun permit in Los Angeles is because he was speaking rudely to a police officer. If rudely speaking to a police officer or a sheriff's deputy is not covered by the First Amendment, nothing is. The entire purpose of the First Amendment is for you to be able to seek redress of grievances, to be able to petition like in a nonviolent way, to be able to gather, to be able to worship your religion and to say the things that you want to say. Freedom of speech is not freedom from speech that you don't like. That's bull. It's complete garbage. It is, in fact, the reason why you do it. And the same thing comes down to the Second Amendment. Under no circumstances does it say the government can infringe. The, the, civil, the, the civil liberties, the idea that we look at them is that like the government grants us these rights. This is the, the political left's ideology. The government grants rights. And you have these rights because the government says so. And if they want to take them away, obviously, they're going to limit them and take them away. No. That is not the way that our Constitution was set up. The Constitution, as I like to say, is a leash. 
It is a boundary. It is a restriction. It is the hard green barrier that separates the ivy of government that likes to encroach and, and grow onto your lawn and the space where you actually wanted it to just be clean, monoculture grass. It's a hard boundary. It's a hard stop. You may not conduct unlawful search and seizures of people without probable cause signed by a magistrate judge. The idea that we are going to have exceptions to it. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. I don't want any warrant exceptions. I don't think we should have any of them. They're all wrong. And the same thing, the idea that you can have a gun law, if you're going to apply the Constitution through the Supremacy Clause and the 14th Amendment across all of the states, look, if a state can have its own ability to regulate things, then the federal government can't be supreme. That's actually the way that they actually saw this. The framers thought about this. There's an anti-federalist versus federalist debate. We always talk about the federalist papers because they're the ones that went for what was a strong enough but also limited federal government. The anti-federalists didn't want anything to do with that. They were against the Constitution because they didn't even want a, a, a constitutional structure. They didn't want a rigid um, federal system that would be able to do any of the stuff that it's doing right now. And the anti-federalists may have been right after all this time, because given enough time, we've abandoned the principles of the moderation that the federalists were, were arguing in favor of. And they're doing it because of this. When Donald Trump became president, we're quoting the article now, Democrats predicted the worst. You guys remember that. You were there. I was at his inauguration. They lost their effing minds. They absolutely had mental breakdowns. And there were guns being seized from the magnetometers and there were knives being brought in and there were people that were dressed up in ways. There was a riot that happened on the north side of the parade route, which I was able to get through. I arrested some Antifa clown who was part of American University. He's one of the children, just like Jordan Peterson just talked about, one of those young people who was framed in university after two years of indoctrination and was shooting a laser pointer at the Park Police helicopter, ostensibly because he wanted to bring down and create a helicopter crash on top of a crowd of people, which is a felony. It's a dangerous one at that. It can do real, real serious damage to the individuals that are in the helicopter. And if you brought down a helicopter from low orbit on top of a bunch of people in a parade route, imagine how bad that would have been over Washington, D.C. The Park Police helicopter was the only helicopter allowed to be there. Trump's shocking victory and his ascension to the presidency is a sickening event in the history of the United States and liberal democracy. Remember, they always want to talk about democracy. I got into it last night with a guy on Twitter, a guy named Cliff, who I deal with all the time on Twitter spaces. We don't have a democracy. We have a constitutional republic on purpose. A democracy involves the tyranny of the majority. A republic has safeguards and guardrails that keep you from getting that. It requires a supermajority, not a simple majority, but a supermajority to pass anything, which means most things are not supposed to pass. Most of what our Congress is supposed to do is nothing. They're supposed to debate. They're supposed to hang out and talk to each other and maybe beat each other up on Friday nights if we get what we're looking for. Hashtag Congressional Thunderdome. That's what should be happening in Congress, not the nonsense where we are throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at a out of control federal agency that has no business doing what it's doing. The liberal commentators compare Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler over and over again. There's multiple links in this article. You can find that Lawrence Tribe 2019. I'm not saying Donald Trump is becoming Hitler, so don't bother tweeting the distinctions, but the physical and behavioral resemblances aren't altogether irrelevant. No prior president even suggests the comparison. How about Joe Biden? How about this guy? How about the guy doing that with the red and the Marines behind him saying he's going after the MAGA extremists, the people that don't, he doesn't even want to consider humans. How about that guy? He seems like a real problem to me. He's pretty Hitlerian. Give me a break. There it is. Do the leg one. He has something with his legs. I've done some dumb things. I got hairy legs that turned blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. Who elected this guy? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody elected this guy. He just got installed. It's unbelievable. In any case, uh, that guy has some pretty seriously disturbing Hitler Hitlerian uh, resemblances. And you don't see the political left crying about that. They don't care about the dehumanization. They don't care that there's an entire feed on Twitter right now dedicated to hunting other human beings that they don't agree with. They're sedition hunters. FBI Panty Raid pointed this out. I know he's in the chat. Uh, oftentimes he may not be there this morning, but uh, FBI PR was saying something very simple. If you admit that the people that are the defendants in January 6th are human beings and that you are in fact hunting human beings, how do you morally defend that? You do it because you act like wow. they were mechanisms of power, that they were the ones that were involved in doing something that was the oppressing just like Jordan Peterson just That's said. That's good. It's dark. That's really good. It's really, really dark, isn't it? I mean, Ryan, can you feel good about a country that does that, that hunts down its own citizens? And it's like people that I are never volunteering. never thought about it like that. Wow. 
That's really good way to think about it. Those people cannot gag hard enough on the government boot that they are licking. They are putting it as far Mm -hmm. into their mouth as possible. It's disgusting to see. But my hope is, is that we have a 180. The dipsy do flipperoo can actually switch. We need to come from the under, from the uh, from the upside down, back into the right side up. And when it does, the sunlight will shine. Everything will get ugly. I just threw a proposal to the sedition hunters, which of course they didn't answer. But the the question is this: You guys are hearing about 41,000 hours of tape that's coming out about what happened on January 6th, right? You're all hearing about it. We're going to see a bunch of stuff. There's going to be a bunch of cherry picked things. A lot of stuff is going to be cherry picked to show people marching around doing nothing violent. Let's do this. There were 50,000, 100,000, 500,000 people that were there. I don't know how many people. Let's get an accurate count based on the videos and the AI that can can register how many people were there. Let's count the number of people. And if 75% of them were not violent, and if 75% of the hours shows not violence, can we agree that it was not violent? That's a super majority. That's more than it would take to pass a constitutional amendment in this country. 76%. How about 85%? These idiots that are hunting down other people have to unmask themselves and own their opinions that they were going after people for misdemeanors. And then lastly, how about you do Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis and all the places where the riots were happening on federal properties, lest someone think that this is a state or local issue. There were many, many reasons. If they traveled interstate for conspiracy to commit, that's interstate conspiracy. They left from one state and they came to another. How about we unmask all those idiots? Drop the uh, the dragnet, get all their cell phones, find out who they are. The FBI can do it. If we're going to spend years and years going after people from January 6th for, for the fake story about there being poop smeared on the wall, which was probably mud, or the fact that people were parading around in the Capitol and that was obstructing an official proceeding, which had already ended. How about we go after the idiots that were trying to tear up those cities on the West Coast and in the uh, the northern Midwest? How about that? Can we just agree that what's good for the goose is good for the gander? They can't do it. Of course not. What you're going to find is that 95% of the people there were nonviolent, and 95% of the hours of footage will not show violence. There's a couple of angles from a couple of places for a couple of minutes that involved pretty significant aggressive rioting. That happens all the time in D.C., unfortunately. And I could show you probably worse violence on any given day if you were to drive a few miles away from the Capitol into D.C. Southeast. Southeast D.C. is one of the nastiest places I've ever been. You could also drive 90 minutes up the road and be in Baltimore. If you want to go hang out in West Baltimore, you can see uglier things pretty much every night. Uglier, grosser, nastier. Police officers leave the job there because of the ugly things they've seen, like babies being eaten by rats that were lost by a mother that was cracked out. That's an actual story someone told us when we were working there with the local police. So don't tell me that there was this bastion city on the hill and shining example of civility, and then suddenly one riotous day, which it was, there was a riot, no doubt about it, like changed the course of human history. And definitely don't compare it to 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. Make me want to puke, these, these clowns. They're absolute clowns. It says uh, Trump had little respect for the First Amendment, the Democrats claimed. He attacked the freedom of speech and the freedom of press. You remember Obama doing that with the IRS? Do you guys remember that? Using government to infringe on people that had different beliefs of his and they were going to go investigate them. Everything that is accused of is actually the flipperoo of it. It's looking in the mirror. It's projection. On top of this, liberal media outlets allege Trump used his office for personal gain and weaponization of the justice system for his own benefit. That sounds kind of like... Um, Biden's justice system going after conservatives and people getting thrown out of the FBI, like me and my friends. Weird. Oh, and personal gain? Did Biden get millions and millions and millions of dollars for God knows what? Hmm, Maybe so. Interesting. How do you afford all those houses when you've been a public servant your whole life? Seems strange. After January 6th, the liberals who had been skeptical about the uh, anti-Trump hysteria became convinced that the hysterics were right all along. What they did was they reaffirmed their mistaken belief because how about this? You had Jenna Ellis the other day claiming, (laughs) claiming that there was a conversation where they said, yeah, we knew that Trump wasn't going to leave office. Do you know how I know that that is false, whether they had the conversation or not? You know, I know Trump was going to leave office because it's 2023 and Trump is not in office. He left the White House. I saw him leave. I saw him get on his plane, big, beautiful plane, and he flew off down to his beautiful house down in Mar-a-Lago that's worth $18 million. Left. Gone. That's how we know that's nonsense. You don't get to do pre-crime in this country. I have a major problem with the idea that conspiracy without the actual underlying thing taking place, unless you interrupted people on the way. The conspiracy to commit bank robbery. Ryan and I have a discussion. Hey, let's rob a bank. Okay, which one are we going to do? Uh, how about uh, American Bank of America? They hate America. We should do that. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What do you want to do? A no job or a gun job? Uh, whatever. We do the logistics of it. That's a conspiracy. If we never do it, is it just two guys talking? Is that not First Amendment protected? Seems like it should be. 
planning out some hypothetical we never do. Now, if you interrupt me and Ryan with ski masks in our in our laps with handguns on our pocket and a note that says, give me all the money in the teller, and we're driving into the parking lot of the Bank of America that we've been targeting, maybe that's a different animal. But I've got a big problem with the fact that conversations people have hypothetically with their flipping attorneys in this country is going to be an issue that you're going to go out there and try to push charges on. We're upside down. We're truly upside down. But... Like we saw, maybe the answer is this video. I wasn't sure if we were going to work this in. This guy from Argentina, you see this? Like everyone's freaking out. Like they're all flipping out about an Argentinian president. It has nothing to do with America. But the left is seeing it as an example of what could happen in a truly, truly radical backswing, which they have asked for in so many ways. Let's play this. It's in Spanish, I think. Spanish, Argentina. Yeah. Let's flip this. Let's play it. Um, if you're not watching the captions, you're missing out on it. We'll do a recap in one second and we'll wrap this show up. We appreciate you guys sticking with us. Again, rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin. If you want to watch the video clip, you'll see it. And then also uh, give us a thumbs up on your while you're there. Let's run the video clip and uh, we'll do commentary in one second and wrap this sucker up. Ministerio de Obras Públicas, afuera, aunque te resistas. Ministerio de Ciencia can, y Tecnología can, can drop y Innovación, the, uh, audio? afuera. Ministerio de Trabajo, Empresa yeah, y Social, afuera. Ministerio de... There you go. It's so good. Yeah. So what does he say? Ministry of Transportation, the Ministry of Public Works, Ministry of Health. He's naming all the ministries. These are all the government programs they have. Social development, gender studies, and women's theory. The, the thievery of politics is over, is what he says. <laughs> the dude is a savage play from the beginning because the best one was he said uh what was it he said even if you resist he tried to pull off one of the, the labels and it didn't go away and as he tries to pull oh, it off start it yeah we're just running with no audio god it's so funny afuera afuera he's just throwing all these labels he's laid out what government looks like boom ministry of tourism okay ministry of culture do you really need that no you don't you don't need this crap. The Ministry of Environment and Sustainable Development. Get that out of there, too. That's our EPA. How about the Ministry of Women and Gender Studies and Diversity? Okay, that's enough. Public Works. He tries to pull it. It doesn't go out, even if you resist. It's so good. <laughs> this guy, and Ryan and I so were talking good. about this just before we ran the show. This guy is a lot like the Vivek, right? And someone said it in the chat. Who's? I'm, I'm going to look in the chat here because I know you just saw it. Uh, B. Cancel just said it. Yeah. Like Vivek. Boom. Gone. You don't have to like Vivek. Just The idea is, is that they're, we're fed up with this crap. We're fed up with a government that's not serving us and doing crazy things. If you've been watching what uh, Vivek said, he said, how about we just fire 50% of the federal bureaucrats? That's not the people that are doing necessary jobs. There are some necessary jobs in the government, even though it's the worst solution. Sometimes it's the only solution. But he said, just get rid of all the bureaucrats. And how would you do it? Completely randomly, not based on performance, not based on anything else. Your job is useless. So if your social security number ends in an odd number, you're gone. Hilarious. Is it functional? Maybe not. Is it a backlash? Absolutely. It is a backlash to people claiming that they believe in liberal democracy when, in fact, we have a constitutional republic and there's nothing liberal or democratic that's supposed to happen when it comes to making these decisions. It is supposed to be out of your damn business. And the minute the government starts stepping into your business, the upside down where they tell you that, you know what, the Second Amendment doesn't apply to you because you used your gun successfully in a safe way, in a way that you were legally allowed to do so. Screw you. That man needs to carry a gun. You need to carry a gun. Get yourself educated. Make sure you understand first aid. Get yourself prepared to respond and make yourself less dependent on the government in every way. So that when the government can go away and we can argue for it, you're already in a good place. There's nothing worse than I hear like people are like, well, I mean, we need some parts of it. So no, the answer should be radical and insane. Just like that guy ripping entire. Okay. Department of education gone. All of it. Why? Because we don't need it. The states can fill this stuff in. Keep your money in your states, let the state government do it, and then get rid of some of that too, and let it go locally. That's my uh, my creed for the day. If you guys went to Catholic Mass over this uh, over this weekend, you'll know that there was a big thing on Proverbs 31. I'm probably going to bring Garrett O'Boyle, and maybe one of you ladies will uh, hit us. You can go to kyleseraphim.com, do the contact us. You can tell us if you want to talk about Proverbs 31 having meaning in your life as a, as a manual for making you happy. I think there's a possibility for that. Um, Many people are doing it. My wife was, we missed an opportunity. A lot of people missed that opportunity. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Kyle Serafin Show. It's live from Liberty Hill, Texas with at least one full. This is, I filled this up twice, cup of coffee coming at you full speed to start your Monday off. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please hit the like button, share it anywhere you like. The audio will be posted shortly on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so on. Thanks to all of you in the chat that have been joining us. We do appreciate you guys being there. Uh, you make the show. It is for you. And then uh, we'll say thanks to Catholic Vote who sponsors our show. Check out the loop. Just go to catholicvote.org 
Org. Very easy. You can click on the loop or you can sign up and get their email services. We'll talk about them more in the very near future. No big deal. Catholic Vote does not mind if we skip past it. You also can go to mypillow.com slash Kyle. Throw that one up if you want. If you guys want to buy something for Christmas from Mike Lindell, do so there. Use our promo code mypillow.com slash Kyle. Last one, go to the-suspendables.com, Garrett O'Boyle's website, the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop. Go ahead and buy any of the merch like this one, The Last Line Strength. This is in green. If you're a military veteran, you want to buy one. It's a great Christmas gift. You guys can do it there. The-suspendables.com. Use promo code Kyle. Save a couple bucks there as well. Check them out. We're burying Garrett in orders. Burying him. Just saying. Go ahead and keep doing that. We like seeing it happen. We don't mind if we bury Garrett just a little bit. Uh, how about we throw up a five-star review, folks? We really appreciate you guys reviewing it on Apple. Do so. There's a link in the description. This one is from S-M-V-N-O-R-A-N-G-E. That's S-M-V in orange. Kyle is great. Five stars. Always informative. Makes me think outside the box. Can't wait for the next podcast. Well, the next podcast will be tomorrow at 0930 Eastern Time. 8.30 here in Texas, America. A couple of little rumble rants we'll throw up there. Tack Penis said, uh, it's mostly considered a bad shoot because it was in the city limits, correct? I'm guessing this wasn't backwoods home with neighbors miles away. Uh, no, you can't shoot when someone is running away and you can't shoot a dog if you're an FBI agent because they are not an imminent danger. And uh, number five, $5 from Ryan, uh, from Eric Jason, rather. Follow him on True Social. Smash the like. Never comply. God wins. We appreciate all of your messages there, Mr. Jason. Folks, God bless you. We'll see you again tomorrow. Have a great Monday as you start off this week. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.